This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the podcast. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. So, thank you for downloading the podcast. We're just going to get into a... It's a bit of a random discussion, really, because um, there's plenty of Palace and football-related content to come. Um, we're just going to have a little chat amongst ourselves about this little conundrum. It's things you've done at work that you really should have been fired for. Well, where to start? Um, you know, personally, I mean, obviously I can't talk about my current job, you know, um, Although the worst I've done in my current job is probably spend a bit too much time on the internet talking about Palace, all that kind of stuff. But um, I know, you know, a bit of a sketchy past, shall we say. So um, uh, let's the, the sort of edited version is uh, me and a, a friend of mine used to um, get to lunchtime and we'd have a little competition as to who would, was able to drink the most double vodkas and go back to work. Um, I used to make the day go pretty quick. That's the edited version. All the other stuff that actually happened within it, I'm not really going to go into. But I certainly should have been fired for being a drunk in charge of a computer on several occasions. Did you work um, in a vodka distillery? Sadly not. No, we had to we had to walk to the nearest Weatherspoons. You know, we're classy people. Uh, High flyer. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about the only thing I'm willing to say on recorded uh, media. Terence, have you got a story for us? Oh, you're a wuss. I'm just going to dive right in. Um, yeah, what was it? This must have been, I don't know, five or six years ago. Um, I'll give you a little context to the story. So uh, I, I was doing a role that, on my own. I was missold it when I joined, and it should have been a job for three people, and I was roped into doing it by myself. So then what I started doing was um, just not doing the work. I was just letting it pile up and... Um, stop trying to actually do anything good with my job to make them realize that they needed more people in the role so um you know this new girl joins the business and after a few weeks of her being there she's constantly trying to transfer people through to my phone and i'm just refusing to answer it so um she comes into the little office bit that i'm in and she's like if you're here can you please answer your phone and i was like just looked up at her from my computer and just went nope Look back down at my computer. She was furious, started screaming at me. 
goes off. Anyway, a few weeks later, get three people into the role, and one of them is this girl. <laughs> so I've now got to sit next to this girl who hates me and is screaming at me. So, you know, four or five weeks down the line, all of that anger sort of turns into a bit of flirty behaviour, and um, then we end up just secretly seeing each other. <laughs> and um, we put in every, so every single day um, in our diary, we had a 3 p.m. team meeting, which was basically going and shitting in the toilets. It was oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> no shame. No shame. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> so um, it was, um, as what was it, Princess Superstar, but um, same back in the day, what it's like to um, get laid while you're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. That's uh, set the bar pretty high. Albert? So, so if you've ever got my calendar and you see 3 p.m. team meeting, <laughs> that, that, that's, the, that's the, um, the, my work version of sock on the door. The, uh, the, only, the only problem is Terence hasn't revealed that the job is actually in a school. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, unacceptable. Um, well, mine's... Mine's definitely less sexy, but it will need. I, I, I have to drop a. I have to drop a bad word. Uh, so this will need to many. Seen the Harry Potter movies? Seen the Harry Potter movies? Anyone? Yeah. Seen a couple of them. No, they exist. Right. So I. I. They were my first jobs on, up at Legion Studios on the Harry Potter movies, and it was all sort of, unlike a regular film studio, where there's lots of different productions going on, and it's a bit more of a you know industrial factory. Harry Potter was made at a small uh, independent type studio where the only thing that was made there was Harry Potter and it ran for sort of 10 years. So everybody knew each other. It was a, it was a very sort of, not incestual, incestual is the wrong word, uh, but everybody knew each other. It's very small. Uh, so everyone in the canteen knew each other, blah, 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 blah. I went down for lunch early one day, beat the rush. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, a jacket potato uh, hot counter slide the glass door open reach in with the tongs get a jacket potato put it in your box go and pay for it uh canteen was quite dead because i as i say i was quite early thought i was essentially on my own um took a jacket potato out of the tongs went to put it in my box <laughs> essentially dropped it um <laughs> and it was the last one it was the last jacket potato in the in the, in the hot counter dropped it Instantly turned round, furious, and just went, oh, you f***ing <laughs> Only to be greeted by probably a 16-year-old Emma Watson, who plays Hermione Granger. <laughs> <laughs> who I'd essentially shouted, you f***ing in her face. Uh, and promptly left. And, and then you start having 3pm <laughs> 3, 3 meetings in the bathroom? <laughs> There's a horrible chamber of secrets. I'm not sure how much of that we need to edit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't work for Warner Brothers anymore. It's fine. <laughs> you got anything, Alex? Oh, I'm an angel. Teacher's pet, as Mikey says. Um, I'm far too good. I'm going to leave this to Nick. Nick I'm, Nick, I'm sure you've got many jobs to talk about. Don't. Was one of them going up the hill to gather bread? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we just can't leave it alone, can we? Just because face falls on you, don't, we don't have to <laughs> go on about it. Um, Nick, Nick used, to be, he used to be a spotter for um, attacking planes in World War Two. 
<laughs> right, I have got a little one actually. No, it's not held you back, Nick. So. I was going to say I'm here every week. I'll do the gags. Um, right, okay. Mine's a little bit similar to Terence's, okay. Uh, and there is a little bit of a sexual innuendo behind it, okay. But I used to work many years ago for a well-known high street furniture retailer. That's all I'll say. Okay, the managing director. I just hope none of them listen to this show because they'll know who I am. Um, the managing director was actually had an office based in the store that I was working in. Um, he was only there one day a week. Anyway, very similar to Terry. Terrence, I've, we were getting old. I was getting old. This little salt, okay, gorgeous <laughs> salt, okay. Um, took her up to the managing director's office where he had the best oh, quality. Oh. It had the best quality sofa in the building was actually in his office. So we could never sell it, but it was in his office. So here's me having a wild time with this young soul. And she was lovely. Okay. But, <laughs> but the, the best part behind it, was about two weeks later, we took that sofa out of his office. Bear in mind what I've been doing on it. We took that sofa out of his office, put it on the shop floor and sold it. Oh, <laughs> extra display. Oh. You're, you're gamming all over it. Oh. <laughs> you, you better believe it. Nick Philpott Protect- was here. <laughs> <laughs> Protective coating. <laughs> Same resistance. Oh. So this intro has gone down a predictable route, I'll be honest. It's the intro. I thought this was the outro. <laughs> People are hearing this before they're hearing the uh, the show. Bit of blue, bit of if blue. anybody knows me, that didn't happen, okay? Yeah, but with all the misery that's about to follow on the podcast, so I think um, <laughs> we need this cheering up. <laughs> exactly. Well, I exactly. Well, I hope we've put you in a uh, well, I say amused frame of mind. At least, hopefully, not too disgusted by the behaviour of some of these people. Yeah, we <laughs> hope we've got you. We, we hope we've got you wet for what's about to come. <laughs> <laughs> hope you enjoy hope you enjoy the show every picture tells a story keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio when people now ask me if I like football I say yes I do like football but not Burnley Burnley can f*** off <laughs> yeah well quite right. <laughs> quite <laughs> I'm sure Burnley have felt like that about us in, uh, in recent years with the fact we always tend to come back and uh, go on to win a game there. But that didn't happen this time. Fought back from 2-0 down to 2-2, uh, pushing to win it and, of course, lost to a last-minute goal. It would have to be an ex-Brighton player that scored it. Pretty much his first kick in about 21 months as well. Uh, really did hurt having to watch that. Uh, so, I mean, it'd be difficult. It's difficult to start anywhere else uh, with the show today uh, other than talking course about Alan Pardew and that's where we'll be starting the show uh, with me today doing that I have Mr Albert Curley uh. <laughs> yeah good noise <laughs> we have Alex Pench hi Chris hello host of last week uh, stepped up passing the baton over to you yeah see if I can uh, live up to your high standards thank you thank you very much Chris no appreciate it <laughs> uh, we also have Nick Philpot. hi everybody just to let you know Townsend in and the Zaha is out there we go. Breaking news. Zaha out. The England squad. Shocking. Uh, we'll be talking about that later on as well and uh, more in the outro of the podcast. But also to introduce, finally, sorry about the delay there, Terence. It's Terence Ford. Hello. I can't believe that. <laughs> That's shocking, isn't it? Absolutely shocking. Um, so, yeah, I suppose before talking about party, let's have a very quick word about that. Like I say, we'll be discussing it in detail uh, as an extra, extra, extra content for the podcast but uh so andros townsend who 
with the greatest of respect, is struggling for form. Terence uh, gets in the squad over Wilfred Zaha, who was head and shoulders above anyone on the pitch. Yes, uh, I, in the last game. I can't. I genuinely can't believe it. I'm, I'm so shocked. For the keepers, keep Foster, Hart, and Heaton. Uh, defenders: Bertrand, Cahill, Klein, Jagielka, Keane, Rose, Stones, and Walker. Midfielders: Adaya, Drinkwater, Henderson, Lalana, Lingard, Rooney, Sterling, Townsend, and Walcott and Wiltshire. And your strikers are Kane, Rashford, Sturridge, Vardy. Honestly, I couldn't care less about uh, all of that. All I care about is the Palace contingent and the fact that the one we've got in is probably one of our most underperforming players. What does Wilf have to do? It's it's a shocker. Absolute shocker. Because he's, he's the one bright spot for us at the moment. Anyone disagree with that? No, no absolutely not. There you go. Not even for the sake of no. media... Interest, but isn't no. that rumor that he doesn't get along with Southgate from the under 21s? Uh, it's possible. I mean, you know, there's certainly rumors he doesn't get along with Henderson, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, maybe one or two others, I don't know. But you know, when he was a, a young lad, there was a few stories from him, uh, not quite, you know, yeah, should we say, being as professional as was expected for the England camp. But that doesn't really matter, you know, you're talking about years ago, but more importantly, you're talking about picking the right players. And I can't think of anyone who does. What Wilfred Zaha does or could do in an England shirt—it's—it it's really is a shocker. But not, not you know, if you're going to pick a, a wide player from from Palace, you've got your choice of two, you know, of, of Townsend and Zaha. There's just no logic to picking Townsend over Zaha right now. And I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect Townsend for that, but he's—he's he's a little way short of form, and Wilf is just—he's on it right now. So there you go. We'll have, a, we'll have a little think about that as the, sh- as the show goes on. And like I say, we'll discuss that in, in more detail afterwards. But let's get talking uh, about Pardew because that's, you know, we're talking about, was it five wins in 33 games now, is that? Uh, we've we've started a game yet again um, in, in a way that's handed the initiative to our opponents. Uh, we're forever, you know, we're forever talking about Games where we're much better after half time, where we made a tactical change. We're so, so we're so we're starting games with a bad game plan. We're starting games gifting goals. The defence is awful. Just where do we start putting this right? And, and first, and can Alan Pardew put it right? I will start with you, Terence. You, you know, you witnessed it firsthand. And still suffering the consequences of that. <laughs> where do where does that where do we go? Yeah, I should apologise to anyone I bit at on Twitter yesterday. I was um, I was not in the best place. <laughs> um, I've I really don't know. I, I see both sides of the argument of people saying uh, we should get behind the manager and we should sack him. I get it. We, you know, this whole transition. We're passing the ball well. There were some amazing stats coming out yesterday about our passing game and how we pass the ball really well in dangerous areas. And yes, our attacking six looked good and yes we've scored the fifth most goals in the Premier League but there's got to be a line when it just says yeah that doesn't matter though because it's not leading to results and it hasn't been leading results to that for over a year now and it's, I, I don't really know where Pardew goes from here because if his game that he wants to play is so good going forward but he doesn't know how to plug up the defence then we're still just going to carry, get carried on getting beaten by teams and there's just no chance for him to stop that rot if he doesn't make a change to the style of play that he wants to play, which will sacrifice him going forward. So 
I just don't think that he's ever going to be able to find that balance, especially without a coach, a good defensive coach. And it, it doesn't look like that's incoming. There's no talk of that. So I really do worry. I, I, can't, I, I can't see where our next win's coming from at the moment. Oh, absolutely not. And, that, and that's, that's where a lot of people are. Uh, before I get the others involved, just to give you a bit of context, last week we asked if uh, Pardew would be Palace manager at Christmas. Uh, 62% of you said he, said he would. Um, obviously 38 no he won't uh, and this this week it's not as bad as I thought but it is a considerable change and a 56% no to the 44 yes now um, I mean there's definitely been a shift um, a vehement shift in how people feel how about yourself Alex I just think he's had far too many chances um, and I think I, I, like everyone I think if he wasn't a Palace legend as a player we wouldn't be he wouldn't be in charge of us this season um with or without the the, the run from um, running the fa cup um if you compare the two managers if you look at uh Daesh and Pardew yesterday now i think Daesh sort of changed the game with his substitutes um and you know it just seemed like he had his he had control of his team um you know at 2-2 he saw that their team was under pressure brought another center back and then obviously brought on Ashley Barnes to get the winner now if you look at our side you know we started the game without the holding midfielder um you know we showed no regard in terms of you know having a solid foundation at back despite us knowing how good Burnley are at home and how much of a fortress um they are at home um and it's just literally complete disregard as well towards the end of the game i know it's all hands on deck but you know i think we, we got so we got we we got so close to getting something out of that game despite being completely out of it for about 50 minutes and then we completely showed no regard in terms of like trying to secure what we had um and you know it seemed a complete waste at the end of the game and it's just it's just baffles me still that we've not managed to sort out you know the, our problems at the back because we saw it plain and clear last season. Last season we were a shambles at the back, absolute shambles. Yeah, all right, great. We saw some great performances from Delaney and Dan, and Dan, but we just not we've not improved in the summer, and we've and we still are making the same mistakes, and it's not good enough. And I and I feel you know, even if we did something to someone like Jedi in, in the middle, it wouldn't make any difference whatsoever because we still don't know how to defend. And you know the stats don't lie. We have. The joint fifth worst uh, defence in the division um, in terms of goals conceded, um, and you know we've looked. We I would say we probably have the worst back four in the in the division well, after the likes of Sunderland and um, maybe someone like a Swansea. We just yeah, we'll, we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk in a, a stats, Alex. And obviously, you've yeah. a very impassioned uh, uh, sort of view from yourself there. But yeah. hitting on the on the subject of defence, we haven't kept kept a clean sheet all season. You know that's that's the bottom line. Uh, and that's totally, totally unacceptable at this stage of the season. So, because if you are struggling defensively, you know most most managers, most teams will say you you have to build off of a solid base in this league. You know, you have to be able to shut out your opponent if if nothing else. And we can't. We, we've, as Terence was indicating, we've gone for the balance of well, we're going to be on the front foot. We're going to take the game to the opponent. Well, and I, I you know, a lot of people will probably laugh at me bringing the manager up, but Warnock used to say. You you earn the right to play your football, so so first and foremost you you in the game you you start the game with a view that if you want to play your football you've got to earn that right first. So if we'd gone out and faced Burnley the the way we should have done, we would have been done exactly what they did. That's that's 
chase down every ball, harry every player in possession, keep a solid sort of two banks of four at the very, very least, restrict the space, earn the right to actually go and attack. Because, you know, we gifted it to them. We just let them have it. But um, I'm very aware that neither neither Albert nor Nick Philpott have had the chance to, to get, get their say uh, to open the sort of discussion. So, Albert, you first. Chomping at the bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it ties in with what you're saying. I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make football management sound easy because, you know, I appreciate it's not. And especially when we're trying to transition from this, you know, I'm going to use the word solid, and I don't mean that as a negative thing, into an, an attacking, like you say, on the front foot team. But, you know, if I've got... Two two wingers that are sort of direct and tricky, like Wilf Zaha and, and Townsend, and you've got a Christian Benteke up front. Plan A, the, the attacking side of Plan A, pretty much writes itself. You know, it's not it's not uh, it's not genius to work out that you're going to you know get those two the ball, and whether it's early crosses from Townsend or Zaha getting to the byline putting the ball in. You know, it's not rocket science that you're going to try and do that to get the ball to Christian Benteke. You know, so what I don't get is why not address the fact that we're so open at the back. And you know, and, and you know, organise that, get that right, and be safe in the knowledge that you've then got the attacking players. And when you throw in people like MacArthur and Punchin, you know, when you when you do get the ball and you are in an attacking position, that nine times out of ten, hopefully you're going to create a chance because we're creating chances. Yeah. But why, you know, like, like you were saying, why not keep it solid and go from there? And I, I, it astounds me. Well, it's I'm not, you know. I, I'm saying in this circumstance, in a circumstance where you've won five games in an entire calendar year and you, you've just got into November, that's why, why I'm saying it. It's all very well saying, you know, you can take that approach. Maybe when you start a season, you can take that approach of saying everyone's on a level level pegging. We're going to take games to our opponents because, you know, really top teams do that. You know, the really top teams don't have to worry about, you know, earning the right to play because they're almost given that respect first but Palace are not given that respect you know we're not there yet and, and I know Pardew wants to take us there and this is where I you know we'll have this discussion throughout today but this is where I have sympathy with Pardew and this is where I actually like him in that I want us to be that as well I really want us to be a team that starts a game on the front foot and dominates an opponent from from the very first second. But I don't want to be a team that has a, as a porous back four that just gives goal after goal away for very little effort of our opponents. Nick P. Game management. Okay. He said at the end of his, uh, the end of the game yesterday that he was quite happy. He would have been more than happy to take a point. Well, what did he do about it? Okay. We were reverted to a 4-4-2. We looked at our most threatening when he bought uh, Wickham on. Obviously, Wickham came on and scored the first goal. But, before we get to that, and I know we're going to talk about it later in the show, I'm more concerned, not just the back four, but the back five. Now, I'm talking to you from a goalkeeping experience, okay, which I had quite a lot of in my ute, okay. I've got some doubts on Steve Mandanda. He's not commanding his six-yard box, okay. His shot stopping is quite strong, except for the goal. It, it, it was a good save down to his left, okay, but it shouldn't have gone in. He should have knocked it away, out of touch, away down to the left back, whatever. But Steve Mandanda, I've got a little bit of some concerns. I don't, for one minute, want um, uh, Hennessy to come back in. Jules would be too rusty. He's not ready. He's not. But we've got what we've got. But he needs to step up as well as the back four. I don't, I don't think you're wrong, Nick. But I mean, obviously, and what you've kind of done is you kind of touched on another 
other side to the Pardew debate. Uh, you, you brought up the facts about game management, which is a, which is a very, very important part because Pardew is being criticised for his game management significantly. And you look at uh, the, the third goal we conceded, and he said he'd be happy for a point. But there's, there's and you also asked what did Pardew do? Well, he brought on Joe Ledley for, for that is for that exact reason, didn't he? You could pretty much, you know, Joe get in their screen, don't let anything pass. Then you analyse the th- what happened with the third goal. Now, this is where I have a bit of a problem. I think if we're going to give Pardew stick, and we are, we've got to give the player stick in that position as well. Because at one stage, you're talking about one and a half Burnley players. I don't mean a half player, but but Marnie was sort of half on his heels, sort of pushing forward. To There was two Palace players back and then a line of three. Uh, Ledley being one of those who's brought on, obviously, to shore up things. And within two seconds, we've got a two-on-one with them breaking. That that is poor game management by players. Part you can't do anything about that unless he's physically on the pitch himself. So what on earth the players are doing, allowing that situation to happen, having been caught cold doing the same thing twice already in the game, just can't allowing Pardew, players can't, to run. Can't you shout when he sees only when he sees when they first pick up the ball? There's only one Palace player, and they're on the halfway line. Can't of course, you, can't of course you shout? you can shout, but but. You you know full well that those shouts aren't necessarily heard by anyone. They're just for show more than, more than anything. Uh, well, yes, can I, I, can I count you're that? making a noise, Gorm. You, you yeah. can. Uh, very quickly. Why? Very quickly. Look, the, and you see it in the Maps of Day highlights. Look at what happens. Look, look at the Burnley management team. You've got Sean Dyche and at least two of his assistants on the sidelines, and they're both screaming at the Burnley players and dragging them into position. And that's what Alan Pardew should be doing. Well, you know what the main problem is, and you say that Pardew um, can only do so much from the sideline, Chris, but he did strip all of our leaders out of our team. And there is not one leader on that pitch to to be there. Our captain should be there organising something and saying, don't just everyone flood forward. Like someone in, the, someone in the chat room just said, Connor Wickham said on Masha Day, we just got a little bit excited going for the three points. But yeah. the captain on the pitch should be there saying, I'm the defender, I'm in the core of his defence. Don't just leave Joel Ward back against two players, against a team that's already hit us on the counter twice and scored. I completely agree. And, and Scott Dan is someone who who I would criticise for that. You know, he's he's the captain, he's he's the mainstay of that back line. He's there to help us do that. But but more importantly, and, and I can't you know, I tell you what, Pardew, Pardew is lit you should be sat tomorrow if this isn't the case. Joe Ledley must have been given instructions when he came on the pitch. He must have been told not only what he was there to do, but what he should say to other players. But Chris, keep it, Chris, keep it tight. Yes, Alex. Why? Why didn't Ledley start? I, don't, I just don't understand that. Why? Oh, come on, I've I've spent three weeks saying we should saying we should drop him. So I'm no, no, no. But the like way that. I look, the way I look at it is, this wasn't the game to drop Ledley. The next game was to drop Ledley. This type of game is you need a battling midfielder in there against a team like Burnley. We'll fight, fight till the final whistle, and we didn't have anybody in there. We had three. Of probably our most creative players we've probably ever had at the club, you know, MacArthur, Punch, and and, and Kabai. All right, great. I know Kabai last season showed us that you know he's, he's quite apt in that position, but he's not a commanding player, is he? In in the middle, and I just didn't get that. Why why not start Ledley? Why why not even give somebody like Flamini a chance against somebody like Burnley? All right, great. He's not he's not the fittest at the moment, but he would at least battle in there. And we had no battle in that first half. It was an absolute embarrassment. Was, I, I, was, see, I, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be a Palace fan that first half. I can't. I can't agree with that. You know, I mean, we've we've had we've had first halves where I'd agree with that. But 
to be honest with you, we outplayed Burnley. We got caught by two shit goals. Oh, I've sworn. Uh, but you know what I mean. That, that's what happened. <laughs> that's, that's what happened in that game. You know, let's let's not I, I, let's not transfer from other matches where we have been terrible and shown no fight. We were actually we were dominant in, in the that thing game. is we, really we weren't were. dominant, but they had more fight. That's 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 what it is like, like don't get wrong, yeah. we've got we've got the players, right? So we're gonna see spells from our players. A lot, you know, we likes of Ben Teke Townsend, Kabai, you know, MacArthur. We've got talented players, but they haven't got talented players at all. But they showed much more fight than us. Yeah, Even, of course it's more about it's more just fight. It's fight's such an overused word. It's organization as well. It's it's shape, it's all those things, you know. Well, look, at, look at our back line in both the goals uh, in the first half. Look look at how we're completely drawn to the ball, uh, particularly on on the, on the second goal. It's so so poor. I totally get what you're saying, Alex. Right, but I say it'd be ridiculous of me to start saying, "Yeah, we should have should have started Joe Ledley when I've spent three weeks saying that he should he shouldn't have been in the side in the first place because he's been all over the shop. He's been poor in his distribution. He's been poor at screening. And you know, I'm not correct in every game. He's, he's some games. He's you know he keep he keeps that keeps it ticking over quite nicely. And I think Terence brought up in a sort of 80 or 90% pass completion in one game. But but generally speaking, I've I've been advocating the loss of Ledley from, from out of that side if MacArthur could buy and punch him with fit. We spent weeks talking about getting those three into the midfield. So I was actually quite happy to see it. I wouldn't have picked any different a different side, really. We've even got the, the swapping of the fullbacks that a lot of people talked about. So we pretty much got the, the side that everyone, maybe not everyone, but the majority of people would have picked, in my view. But what we got was, was a complete lack of of comprehension of how to defend yet again you know that's i don't think ledley would have changed that maybe i'm wrong i've left too long a gap without really indicating who needed to speak there, <laughs> uh, to yeah i'll go with, i'll go with that i'm i'm looking at the uh chat room homesdale radio forward slash chat very busy in there this evening good evening everyone brinscone eagle has got the similar sort of thoughts to me what is the point in Flamini? I mean, what I mean, he could have become that resident holding midfield player that we were we've just been talking about. Um, if he's not going to play him, why do we buy, why do we sign him? I agree. I was I was thinking that yesterday when that when it was when Ledley came on, you know, to apparently shore the game up. If that's not what we, we were paying Flam- Flamini Flam- for, Flamini, that's right. For you know, for what what was it? Five six minutes, if that. What, if, he, if he's fit, he's got to be involved. It's you know, experience. We, exactly, and that's what we got told was the reason he was signed. He's told, the reason he got told he was being signed. You know, you're here to help us. To, to you know, that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about game management. And he, again, it was it was mentioned that we've lost a leader in Jedinak, and we were hoping that someone with Flamini's experience and personality would come in and, and help the team. But you can only help him if he if he's used. But well, again, whether he's the answer, I don't really know. It's 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 you, you just got to look again you've got to look at that that back line that's where we're really struggling but before we get into further analysis of the back line let's just let's just sort of finish a little bit on Pardew really is there any way back for him here you know he's lost a, an increasing proportion of the fan base but do we think the uh, I'd ask you actually Terence because you know again it's more important really I think you get a better feel for it at, at games about what people really think of a manager has he lost the fans? Has he lost too much of the support? And are those who are saying, you know, stop having a go at the manager, we need togetherness, we need, you know, where was the kind of spirit that we used to have? Is, you know, can you see that argument or is it too far for Pardew? 
I think the results of the poll probably accurately reflects the impression I got at the ground yesterday. It's probably, was it 56, 44 was about the split. Um, there were a lot of people yesterday really laying into players as well as the manager. So uh, there are a lot of people appreciating that there's some really poor performances out there. Joel Ward and Martin Kelly were coming in for a fair amount of stick, as was Andros Townsend, uh, who's just walked into the England squad. Uh, so uh, there is, he's definitely losing an increasing proportion of them. It's not all of them yet, and there are still people defending Pardew in the cr- crowd as well. Um, I think the Man City game, you know, it's going to be two weeks now until we play again. Man City game, if we go down a goal behind or two goals behind in the first half again, as you know, it's a, it's a good chance we have, we are going to do that. You're going to have a lot of people calling him for his name in the home style because that started a few weeks back at half time at Bournemouth. And things could things could turn really, really nasty at Sellers in that game against City. Nick? Yeah, um, you, you'll think that I'm going to be the first one to say, let's take uh, Padre out of the car park, firing line, let's put a bullet in him. Well, I'm not. I'm actually not. I'm actually going to say to you guys, do we really want to change now? Okay, I know things... What's yeah. the, What's the, what's the stat? Five and 33 or whatever it is, OK? Um, but hold on a minute. We've just let him spend, blow 50 million quid in the transfer window, OK? Do we want to take him, uh, let him go through to Christmas and maybe another transfer window, OK? Or bring some somebody else in that none of us know who we want, OK? Just give him a chance. I don't think now is the right time. I honestly don't. All right. <laughs> Albert. May I? Yes, yes of course. <laughs> go, go for it, Albert. Honestly, just on the wider point, and his name's already come up in this podcast, uh, sorry, live radio show, uh, Neil Warnock, right? I'm not, I'm this, and this by any, this isn't me saying we should go for Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock, 15 points out of a possible 48, which was 16 games, 2014. Yeah. I remember that Southampton game, pretty much most of the crowd that were there charting, you don't know what you're doing, and it was, as Terence has sort of alluded to, it was sort of, Nigh on mutiny. Alan Pardew, 26 points out of a possible 90. Out of, that's 30 games. And it's take, he's been given a lot, a lot longer. And he's been a lot longer to, for the worm to turn. But on the flip side of that, he's been given a lot more money and a lot more backing. And, you know, why is he being afforded certain, you know, I'm going to say luxuries that other managers don't get with a better squad? Mm. OK, Alex, jump in there, mate. And then we've We're got... The way I look at it is that, you know, the likes of Ben Teke Townsend were going to be signed with or without Pardew anyway. You know, if somebody like Ben Teke comes available, any manager's going to jump at the chance of trying to sign him. The Townsend just looked like a tailor-made replacement for Balassi. Um, for me, he was on a free transfer. Um, and then you're looking at Mandanda um, for little money whatsoever. And that's one of the best goalkeepers in Europe, you know, for the past couple of seasons. So, you know, with, with Pardew or without Pardew, I think those signings would have been made. And... Whoever comes in um, in, in, in the near future um, will we'll, we'll jump at the chance of working with, with those likes of players because we have got a great squad. Uh, well, I say a great team, not a great squad, but we've got some great players at this club um, and we are certainly underachieving. So I think anyone who comes in is going to be, you know, attracted to this project if there is one. Um, sorry, Terence, did you want to jump in there or are you just hoovering up some Colombian marching powder? I can't work out the sound. <laughs> I haven't made a single noise, have I? <laughs> uh, um, do, do you know what though? Uh, pro- project, pro- don't call, don't call it a project, Alex. That makes us sound so. Well, nasty. The, well a new manager, so, a new manager. Look at Southampton. That's what I'm saying. You know, that, yeah, a new, a new project for our brand. Oh, 
<laughs> which yeah, our customers can all enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, look, um, I've, I've been trying to provide um, some sort of balance to the to the debate uh, to some degree say? of late. Um, as, as and John Nightingale has picked up on it and messaged in and said, "I'm going far too easy on Paul just because I've really stated my own opinion. I've, I've suggested I have some sympathy with him, but you know, if, the truth is, right now I've had enough. I, I really have because we don't seem to be learning, and, and I can I can see where we've had a, some bad luck, and I can see where we've had some decisions go against us. I can see where injuries have gone against us, and." occasional drop in of form and i look i can see where players are responsible where you know you could argue the manager can't really do a lot if a player goes to sleep or doesn't perform to a professional standard or you know that kind of stuff right but as john was saying in his tweet those are all ultimately down to the manager and bottom line is we we haven't looked to address our failings we've looked to address what the manager wants to do with with our with our future with us playing you know this attractive football and dominating games which again kudos like that that's what i like to see as well but we we're, we're failing over 2016 over a huge number of games we've consistently failed defensively to organize ourselves and to deal with the threat of our opponents we're in a position now where when Pardew was absolutely flying and we were getting great results you could talk about a game plan we could, we could say look we've, we've done that perfectly you know we've soaked up a bit of pressure then we've hit them at the right time all this kind of stuff now we're going into games and i don't see a clear game plan what was our game plan against burnley to give them two goals because we because <laughs> we fancied coming back from two nil down that's just what it felt like because people don't follow players when they make runs you know, really basic stuff. What's that? What the hell is that about? You know, you've got you, the defenders we've got should not be making those errors. And again, the second goal. Yes, you have to look at the keeper. That's a that's a poor, poor, poor goal to concede from from that shot. But don't ignore the fact that the Goodmanson's run, you know, from inside his own half, and no one sort of really picked up on it. Everyone's just kind of watched him. And don't ignore for the first goal that that Will, for all the great work he did, didn't bother to follow a fullback just didn't just didn't do it you know those are things that you can't excuse you know you defend from the front you earn the right to play these are all cliches but they're all true of teams when they're struggling and i think pardew actually needs to accept we're struggling before he can have any chance of putting it right and is he going to actually do that i don't know i really don't that's that's my frustration so i'm in a position where if someone said tomorrow alan pardew's been sacked oh you know great who we, who's who's coming in? Let's move on. But at the same time, I'm not going to one, one who's going to be going to games and charting for charting for him to be out and slagging him off left, right, and centre. It doesn't doesn't really, no, really appeal to me. But but <laughs> but at the same time, like you know, it's is is you're getting harder and harder each week to defend it. Agree. Um, I mean, I mean, you've, you've singled out Wilf for that first goal, but I mean, I've got I've got an essay on what happens in that first goal. It is an absolute shambles from top to tail. It's appalling. And yeah, you can say Wilf doesn't, Wilf doesn't track a fullback, but look at, look at the mistakes in the middle of the park. Look what Kabai does. Goodmanson is the one who intercepts Punchin's appalling corner. And he's the one, all of a sudden he's in our box, unmarked for about 15 seconds, you know, and then manages to switch the ball to another player that's completely unmarked, which is probably who Wilf should be marking. And it's just, it is absolute chaos. It's, it's been, you know, Saying it's schoolboy is out of order to schoolboys. Yeah, absolutely. The, the general sort of way Burnley played was they just 
when the moment was right, they just flooded players forward, and we didn't go with them. We, 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 it, it seemed so easy just to just put us under pressure. You know, and I, I wrote this. This was in the first half. I wrote, "How can you defend Pardew when he says in the in the pre pre match press conference how important the first goal is, and we give the opponents two in fifteen minutes?" You know, that that sums it up for me. You've got a, a manager who's talking the talk, but when the actual evidence is there. We've done the exact opposite to what he was talking about doing. So either the players aren't listening or, or you know, or he's just paying lip service to the media and he's not really thinking about the game. I don't know which it is because it's indefensible and, and it cannot go on. It cannot go on. With the squad that he's got, it cannot go on. Uh, Nick? I mean, I've, here's me being the one to say, uh, leave him in there. Uh, give him another transfer window, maybe certainly Christmas, but you've got to look at the future fixtures coming up. And I mean, if they weren't worried, they're going to be with Man City at home, uh, Southampton at home, Man United at home and Chelsea at home. Put it this way. I wouldn't want to be in this position. Would you? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, I'm just trying to work out who wants to speak. It's been loads. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terence, do you want to talk a little bit about Mundunda? Yeah. He's, he's coming in for a lot of stick in the chat room as well as um, talking about, Perhaps he should be doing better for the second goal. Not one mention from anyone about his brilliant double save in the second half to keep out Sam Folks on oh, two occasions. Yeah, that was excellent. Not yeah. one mention. About people's memory is very, very selective on these things. People, people slag off Hennessy, right? And the reason why people slagged off Hennessy is because he had a whole season of it before people started to get on his back. So it's not as if we just decided after eight games Hennessy was crap. We watched Hennessy for a long time, and then after a consistent amount of errors, people started to get on his back a good amount of time in. People getting on Mandanda's back already when we've already talked about the command of language. I know I've said that, you know, keepers is the same in every language, but there's still that slight barrier there. The con- it's a constant changing back four in front of him, so it's hard for him to have any confidence in what's going on in front of him. Our midfield is short. And no one is in there giving that extra defence in there from set pieces and so on. So you like our Jednax of the past, but people who actually have some height and can challenge in the air is not there. So you're putting a lot more reliance on the two centre-backs. And there's only two of them. There's only so much they can do. So I think people are being very, very quick to criticise. People are here saying it he seems free from criticism in some people's mind. But that is absolute nonsense because everybody's talking about it. There's a page on the BBS, there's a page on the Homestyle, which is 50, 60 pages long now, talking about Mandanda should be dropped. So no, he's not free from criticism, but I think everyone are being very, very quick to judge someone who, fact, has been one of the best goalkeepers in Europe for the last three or four years, and the stats prove that. So there's nothing, he's not a terrible goalkeeper, he's not rubbish, just because one goal has bounced off and gone in, and they have people haven't liked that we conceded 10 goals in the last three games. So these goals, on his fault it's a combination of things that's going on in front of him and I think people are just getting way too carried away exactly he's the last line of defence isn't he you know he's it's it's the fact that he's getting so you know there's so many opportunities for teams to score you know it's going to look bad on him whether it's his fault or not and yeah you know there's mistakes that everyone makes and when a goalie makes a mistake it's tends to lead to a worse result than if uh, Christian Benteke makes a mistake but you know you you have to feel for him like you say the the defence is ever changing and and even when it doesn't change it's pretty shocking uh, Alex, you want to jump in on that as well? Yeah, yeah, just on Mandada. We should be grateful we've got someone like Mandada because he could have, yeah, the whole host of clubs he could have taken, could have gone off to in the summer. He could have chosen, chosen any club in Europe to go to, apart from a few top ones, but, and he chose us. So, 
you know, he's probably one of the best goalkeepers we've had, ever had in terms of his pedigree. Um, and yeah, like, like Albert and Terence have said, you know, he's the last line of defence. And so, you know, not having the greatest command of English at the moment and different defensive, you know, partners in, in, in the back, it's not going to help him. And with, with time, I, I expect him to, to do a lot better. But, you know, I, I think we should lay off him a bit at the moment because it's still early days. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see him as a as anything like the problem. You know, this it's yeah. as we've all said, it's what's going on in front of him that's the problem, uh, and it's not, not been an easy start for him. Granted, um, again, in the interest of balance, and, I, and I'm going to say up front, I know what George means by this, but George Brimble's going to said personally, I think it's the best I've seen us play this season. Great to come back from two two goals down. Think if it ended two two. And you know, I've got again, I've got some sympathy with that because we weren't terrible in the first half. We gave two stupid goals away, uh, and then we, then we had a really good reaction at half time. Uh, but what I would say to George is, how often have we had to say that? Mm. Uh, how often do we have to have this reaction at half time? And I've said it before in the show today. I've said it before in other shows. If you if you start every game and get to half time, and you have to make a change to, to get yourself back into it then it's pretty obvious that your team is too predictable from the start and it, you're you're not playing to to unsettle your opponent you're allowing them to unsettle you now take take the burnley game you know i'm not you know i'm not a football manager i don't profess to have all the answers but me looking at it i would say you can you can see exactly what burnley are about you know you know what they're going to be like at home you can watch game after game on tape of what they've done you've seen them beat liverpool this season at home you know that they're a good side um, with their with their with their fans behind them, and you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to run and they're going to break on you because pretty much every team that gets promoted into the Premier League, that's how they have to set up. It's how we set up and kept ourselves in the league and got decent results, and it's exactly what they're going to do. So you have to you have to accept that that's going to be the case. You have to let the game play out. Um, you don't what you don't do is leave yourself open because if they get a goal ahead or two goals ahead. You really have got an uphill battle. And what I really do think is if you look at the changes we made at half time, if we got into that game with the attitude of let's keep ourselves, keep things tight, let's defend properly, let's let's, you know, give them give them the ball for a while because they're not used to having it. Let them have the ball. That'll you know, that's a different challenge for them. If we'd done something different so they had to adjust their game and we'd got to half time, we could have made those exact same changes and started the second half on the front foot and probably beaten them. And, you know, again, that's just my, my feeling. We went into that game with the attitude of we can out-football them, we're the better side, and overall, if we just keep playing the way we want to play, we'll win the game. And you cannot do that in this league. don't care who you are, you cannot do that. You have to play your opponent. And I just don't think we are. No, we're not. And, you know, to, to further extend that, look at, look at the teams that we've beaten in the league in 2016. Stoke, Norwich, Sunderland, Borough, you know, these are teams that that you'd like to, you know. Again, I hate to use the term "we should be beating," but when you know when you when you you know Norwich relegated, Borough probably relegation contenders, Sunderland definitely relegation contenders, Stoke could go either way. You know, we we t- we tend to beat the, the you know the teams that you call six point games, but against you know if we want to if we want to push for top ten or even in and around tenth, you know, you we have to start we have to start improving. And beating those other teams, and do you know what? A point yesterday, I'd t- as Pardew said, I'd have taken a point before the game to get back to two-two from and you know defensive errors that are just criminal to get to to get back into that game 
with less than 10 minutes to go and to throw caution to the wind and go for it is just, I mean, it's unforgivable. And, you know, on the flip side of that, I remember when uh, we were during the 3-3 against Newcastle, with, which was Neil Warnock's first game. You know, they were 3-2 up. Zaha equalises for us. Pretty late on, Pardew comes out in defence of Newcastle and says, yeah, I think the crowd got carried away wanting to you know, go for the fourth goal. We should have shored up a little bit. And again, it's just that sort of Teflon-shouldered attitude that it's not, it's not never really his fault. Yeah, we did everything we needed to do, but we made mistakes. You know, it, I, th- I think he's had enough time. There you go. I think that will round off our party chat for now. I'm sure we'll come back to it in some of your comments a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but we're going to have a quick break for a, uh, a little advert now. And when we come back, we'll carry on the discussion about the Burnley game. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We have a very, very exciting guest. We have Ian Walsh scoring the first goal that day. Welcome, Ian. Uh, hi, how are you guys? All right? How are you doing, Ian? Welcome to the show, mate. How did, how did you get that much power on that header? Well, I'd, I'd been practicing for a while, you know, I was, um, that was more my strength than anything else, and I'd uh, been practicing for a while, you know, and when you've got great wide players like Vinny Allaire, you know, putting the, the ball across to you, I think the pace was in the cross more than my power, I just had to get the accuracy on it, and fortunately it was one of my all-time favourite goals, you know, to score a goal just inside the penalty box in the top corner in such a massive game, it took the pressure of everybody, and... Uh, yeah, I can I could relive that as if it was yesterday. Uh, we've just we've just heard from Ian Walsh, and now we've got the man that provided him with a cross, Mr. Vince Hilaire. Thank you so much for joining us, Vince. No worries at all. I think most of the most of my time was taken up in training, and after training with Swindy and Walshy, actually saying to me, "Am I ever going to get a cross in in a game <laughs> <laughs> during the course of the season?" And uh, my, I always had the same reply to him, and my reply was, uh, I didn't know what, um, what an end product product was. I was an entertainer, and, and crossing <laughs> was very low down on my priorities. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought at that time I might as well get get one in. That's why I'm stuck out in the wind for. So uh, if you get if you get a ball in the box, particularly in in Morty's case, because he was a tremendous player in the air, then he's likely to get on the end of it. And it was, I think, it was probably. The only the first cross I got in the game was 40 minutes from Thomas. It's bit sad, really, for a wide player. 
Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel. And just for Homesdale radio listeners, we've got an extra special offer right now. When you sign up, use the promo code PALACE. That means if you don't make money in your first contest, FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10. So go to fanduel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now. What are you waiting for? Terms apply. Over 18s only. Please play responsibly. Well, what you heard there was a little teaser for uh, some interviews that were came out of the preview podcast, which is released every Thursday morning before a game. Uh, make sure you do download that. Terence, you front that. And those interviews were with Ian Walsh and Vince Hilaire. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, getting those interviews together and what it was like chatting to the lads. Uh, well, yeah, we have our classic match feature every week. Um, on a Tuesday, we put a vote up in the whole radio Twitter account to pick the game uh, that we're going to discuss. <laughs> Considering the week before, the uh, Chris Ball controversially pipped the 4-3 semi-final win against Liverpool to the vote, we decided to screw democracy and take it out of everyone's hands and just talk about the 2-0 <laughs> win over Burnley in 1979. Democracy the House of Lords. <laughs> so um, we went for the 2-0 oh, and I was you know I was just um, sitting there on Thursday night and I was like oh, I know Vince Hilaire's on Twitter I wonder if Ian Walsh is on Twitter had a little look around turns out he is sent them both a DM and hey presto they gave me their mobile phone numbers and let me ring them <laughs> so um, and it was it was fantastic like getting to talk to them to get some insight but it was brilliant for me especially like having not been at the game but for, you know the likes of Patrick who was on as well and Nick who was at the game that night it must have been great for those guys to actually talk to players that you know they watched on the pitch and admired and you know brought such a great and historic result to Crystal Palace Football Club. That was it was a terrific uh, couple of interviews in, in what was a fantastic preview show as well. So if you haven't listened to our preview shows, make sure you do download those on a Thursday morning. Uh, but also as a little treat, Mikey has separated those interviews out into a podcast all of their own, which is available right now in all the usual places. And I'm sure you'll be getting more guests in the future, Terence. And it's only six ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please, please, please make your checks payable to Mr. T. Ford. <laughs> Anyway, guys, look, we've had a, an awful lot of chat about Pardew, and rightly so. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a really, you know, hot topic at the moment. People people are fed up. Uh, I think it's fair to say, and and getting towards the end of their their sort of their patience, really. But we're also looking specifically at this game, and we've talked a awful lot about the defence, uh, and we've talked about talked about the keeper. So we don't really feel it's the keeper, um, but we do feel that the back line is a problem, but. You know, every week we're saying, who, who do we pick in, in the defence? You know, we've we've got the players that we've got, you know. So, fir- first of all, I, I'm, again, I, I don't, I'm trying this not to be a witch hunt on Martin Kelly, but I, I can't see that his, that his form at the moment is worthy of any selection. So, I don't know, anyone disagree with the fact that wh- however he plays at the moment, it's a chance for Zeki Fryers. He's got to start from now on while, while Kelly's in the form that he's in. Silence. So <laughs> I, 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 
I've got no. I just think it's it just shows again. We've repeatedly said it. It just shows a shambles that our transfer window was in terms of providing defensive cover for what was clearly a weak, an area of weakness at fullback. And now we're actually genuinely sitting here having a discussion about whether Zeki Fryer should be our starting left back, and it's basically an outrage. Basically, what, what, you've done, what, what you've done there, Chris, is you, have you, is you said, do you want dog shit on toast or do you want <laughs> cat shit on toast? Well, which do you want? <laughs> uh, probably cat, because at least it's probably a bit smaller. Yeah. <laughs> and softer. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. How do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. It looks softer. There we go. Yeah, well, on. that's quite enough, uh, Anna Boy. So, uh, <laughs> generally speaking, I think I think Zaki's just got got to play. I think that's. <laughs> I just Chris, that's, that's where we are. Go on, Chris. There was there was chat before the game, wasn't there, that Ledley was rumoured to be um, in the running to play left back. Yeah, yeah. Um, could, could um, and I, I I think it was the Ward in the running at, at right back, which which is what. Uh, well, then we, in the end, we saw Ward at left back, didn't we? And we saw Kelly at right back. Um, but I know we, we saw Ledley sometimes play left back under Pulis. Um, all right, he's not the quickest, but, but the way that Kelly's playing at the moment, he's surely a, a better option um, than the mine Kelly if, if we don't want to go down the Friars route. Well, I, I'd still I'd pick Friars over Ledley at left back, personally. And I'll go further now. Chris, can I just jump in here a little yeah, bit? Course, yeah. um, how many times, uh, how many cameos has Fryer's done now? Maybe four, is it? Uh, I asked a question on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Has he really let us down yet? I mean, I know there's a hint of uh, sarcasm in your voice when you're talking about Fryer's, and I know you're joking to a point, but he hasn't let us down. And what Terence's point was uh, is this is supposed to be a 25-man squad, and we cocked up that transfer window. So we've only got, you know, the club's only got itself to blame if we are going to be relying on the types of, of Zeki Fryers. Mm. Yeah. And also, but as I've said before, I, I, you know, yes, there is a little bit of a, well, there is all, everyone laughs a little bit when they talk about Zeki because up until very recently, it was this, it was a big joke that we'd gone out and bought this player who was, you know, supposedly going to at least challenge for that spot. And he, he got nowhere near the team, apart from one one appearance in the cup where he was absolutely terrible. <laughs> you know, it's a League One side, wasn't it? I can't yeah. remember who it was. Yeah. No, uh, no, it was against Newcastle. It was against, oh, it was Newcastle. Yeah, the two-two. I know they yeah. they feel like a League One side a lot yeah. of the time, but then, no, <laughs> it, was, it was against Newcastle. Yeah, but you know, he he was he was awful, absolutely awful. Just and he just didn't seem interested. Now, you know, I don't know what they were. I'm sure, he's had I've heard reference to some off-field issues, you know, and problems in his life and all that kind of stuff. But if if you know, if this chance gets him playing to to any kind of standard, you know, um, that, that could be useful for us, I'm all for it. You know, and I, and I agree with what Nick says. I don't. I, he's not being. He isn't. He hasn't played, and barring the, the the cross in the Sunderland game, yeah, yeah. Sunderland, yeah. Barring that cross, that you know, the first thing he did, pretty much, um, he hasn't made a huge impact. But at the same time, he hasn't. He hasn't sort of struggled to the level he struggled in that Newcastle game. There's. I've got question marks over his his timing of a challenge, his positioning a little bit, but you know, I mean, he does have a degree of balance out there. He can get forward. He's not too bad on the ball. You know, it's he's a natural left sided player um, at left back. So I think can he be? The question is, can he do any worse than Martin Kelly? But give a bloody good go. <laughs> talking about it though and just focusing on Martin Kelly don't give Joe Ward an easy ride here because he's been equally poor 
Yeah, but he's, he's had a couple of good games this year, Ward, where we've thought, hang on a second, he's... You know, yeah, are we talking about the whole of 2016 there, or this season? Everton away. <laughs> Everton away, really away was really encouraging. I thought, oh look, Joel yeah. Ward's back. I, I remember him from a few years ago. Yes, but Joel Ward, we know Joel Ward's not a bad player. You know, under a manager that believes in defensive discipline and organisation, and yes, I'm sadly referring to Tony Pulis, we know Joel Ward is a competent defender. And at one point, and I know, you know we're Palace fans, so we're partisan. Being, you know, he should be getting an England call up, or, you know, at least a chance to be in the squad. You know, he's, we know he's not a bad player. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not. You, listen, just a minute. Uh, 14th minute, you said the ball gets crossed in from the left. It went sailing over the top of Joel Ward's head. He made no attempt to play at that ball. He just watched it sail over his head. Okay, no, no, it, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying we should be defending him and saying no. Joel Ward's playing all right now. He is playing poorly, but. We know he can play well. So what's the, what's changed? What's the difference? Is it how he's being coached? Is it what he's being told to do? What he's being told to prioritise? Is it prioritise going forward, get the ball in? Or is it make sure you don't lose a man? And then if there's an opportunity to go forward, go forward. What's he being told? Well, you just, you just yeah. asked that question. Who is the defensive coach? Exactly. Who well, is the defensive coach Steve now? Millen, isn't it? So. Well, that's what we came up on the, on the preview pod the other day. But it's got to be somebody, something has changed uh, at the at the club for the poor defensive showing over the last month or so. Well, you'd, you'd speculate really that that any change is simply a change of focus, and it's the change of style that the, you know that the game plan is focused on how to get the best out of our attacking players. And is I almost and again this is just how it feels. I could be completely wrong, but it feels like the defense is like okay, we've picked our keeper on a back four. You guys, you know, you you're a goalkeeper on a back four. Get on with it. That's how it feels like we've organised our defence. Um, exactly. It's all, very, it's all very well having a defensive coach who might want to prioritise defence. But if the overall person who's in charge of the team, which is ultimately Alan Pardew, if he's saying, yeah, but I actually want my full-backs to bomb on and get crosses in, the defensive coach isn't, can't do much about that, can he? That's true. That's very true, yeah. And, and again, I, and I think you're actually hitting the nail on the head in terms of what one of the biggest issues is because all the teams that do play this expansive style, and I talked about this the other week, they have fullbacks that bomb on and, and get up and down the pitch. The trouble is, the players we're using in those positions, you know, aren't aren't quick. Well, aren't really quick enough. You know, they don't get up and down the pitch as mm. quickly as as the, the players in the successful teams that do that. Uh, and that's, you know, pace is a huge, huge thing in that in that fullback position. And Joel Ward isn't slow, but he's he's not rap. It's you know he's not rapid. He doesn't have any kind of real acceleration. It's very much one pace. You know, and and certainly Kelly on the other side has that exact same problem. Do you know what it seems, it seems to have happened, Chris? It's yeah. like Pardew with adding Suarez to the team pushed our defence five yards, six, seven yards further up the pitch, and now he seems to have forgotten that Suarez's pace isn't there anymore to bail out if we get caught out over the top or. As you know, Firmino's goal for Liverpool last week was a classic example of just if you play too high up the field and you get caught in possession, that's what's going to happen to you if you have no pace to be able to react quick enough to sort it out. Yeah, and that and it's it's a huge problem having no pace in there, and it also doesn't help when you've got three midfielders and not one of them is sitting because it has to be that defensive midfielder who can fill in if the fullback bombs on, then it's one of the midfielders who holds and slots into that position if the ball breaks down there. And just no one's doing that. So whenever whenever we lose the ball, and we did that a fair amount yesterday, 
all of a sudden it opens up a wealth of opportunities for the opposition because there's just holes everywhere. Absolutely right. And that's the last thing we want, Terence, is holes everywhere. <laughs> Chris, I've got um, three, three words for you. No, because I've seen what they are in the chat. And if you say <laughs> them, say I'm going to hurt you. Can no, I say them, please? Three, five, two. Uh, if I do not have time to go into the merits of three, five, two. I had a, a conversation. Four, four, two. I, I had a conversation with uh, with one of the list, our listeners, Martin Walsh, on three, five, two. And he, he, he wrote me, uh, what was I? I'd call it an essay. It was absolutely brilliant, though. I'm talking about why we don't have the players for that system. I'd love to share it, but I do not. Ha- this show doesn't go on for four hours. And I know Martin will appreciate what he's <laughs> saying. We don't want that, but... Bill's ego either, do we? So, um, no, 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 no especially as he's on sabbatical. How oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> all, all of us. <laughs> Alex has come in and said three words, three, five, two. They're not actually words, they're numbers. You Thanks, Alex. Thanks, you an, you an idiot, Alex. Martin managed to call me on the train on the way back yesterday, and despite the journey only being three hours, it managed to take five hours for him to talk to me. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking, Martin. It was it was nice to meet you, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> massive, massive, massive Toby Tarrant fan, Martin. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. yeah. Well, we all, you know. Um, yeah. So, wow. Uh, George George Brimble's got in touch again. He's uh, Defensive defending party to a point, but he's given us some interesting stats uh, when we're talking about the fullbacks, uh, about our defense defense being tested. He said too much. Well, I'll address that point in a in a moment. But he's talking about how often players are, are dispossessed, and the most the most dispossessed players in the Premier League. Number one is Wilfred Zaha, um, and number four is Andrus Townsend, and number six is James MacArthur. So what wow. do we think about that? <laughs> well, James MacArthur was. Off, way off of his normal standard yesterday. Um, you'd expect Townsend and Zaha to be up there. It, you, you can't play wingers, give them the ball and tell them to run at players and not expect them to lose the ball. So that doesn't surprise me. And when you think of the rest of the Premier League, there's not many teams playing conventional wingers. Uh, I'm going to assume players like who else is up there? You Eden Hazard up there, Alexis Sanchez, people like that. Are they up there? Um, actually, what you've got is uh, you've got yeah, Rondon, Gray, uh, Andre Gray. Uh, Josh King, so all strikers. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, no, I, I'm fascinated by that. I, I do think, but you know, for example, take Wilf. Wilf is—it's a feature of Wilf's game—is that he tries stuff continuously and doesn't stop. You know, if he if his fullback tackles him twenty times in a row, he'll probably beat him on number twenty-one. He won't stop him trying. And, and there's a bit of that around Townsend as well. But that's that you say, Terence. If you're playing conventional wingers the way we're using them, that's no that's no bad thing. Uh, when you actually look at something, it looks like it's in the region of uh, just between three and four times a game they're dispossessed on average. So I don't I don't really have a problem with that. And he has about four people trying to dispossess him any time he gets the ball. <laughs> exactly. So you've got to cut him some slack. You have, and again, then you have to say, if that's the case, how are we not using those situations better? And then yeah, again, exactly. you start getting into the, the management and the, the game management issue and how you sort of deal with that situation. But, we, haven't, we haven't really touched on the management. Should we do that again? Yeah, yeah, let's do that again. I am very, very happy that Mikey has put a poll out for you all to vote in. It's what would you prefer on toast? What would you prefer on cat shit on toast or dog shit on toast? Uh, as was mentioned earlier. It's currently 25% cat shit, 75% dog shit. Oh, dear. <laughs> which is actually would be the proportion that I would put on toast given a pot each. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Oh, dear. That's incredibly distracting. Thank you, Mikey. 
So um, let's let's look. Let's leave the defensive debate there. We've we've kind of settled on the fact that wherever you talk about, we haven't really got the players there to to sort of win to improve on things. <laughs> uh, one last sort of mention of it, really, just to sum it up. Brummy Eagle got in touch and mentioned that Tompkins playing at right back, Fry's at left back. There you go. You get you get that changes both. Really, problem solved. <laughs> well, it's it's, a, it's an option. It's the the answer's it's been right in front of us all along. <laughs> I, I still feel that uh, it's less about the personnel and more about the organisation, about defending as a team. And, yeah. you know, mainly, mainly just just let's go into the next game and think about not conceding a goal. Just try that. <laughs> just try that. Just try to think, well, let's just for this next game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but let's, let's <laughs> just this next game. Let's see what we can do about not conceding. The whole team works on that. Sorry, sorry, Christian. You're going to be running around chasing Delaney's hoofs, which let's face it, happens quite a lot anyway. So just deal with that for deal with that for a game. We're gonna we're gonna focus on not conceding this game. If we do that, I think great. You know that that might show us way forward. But um, we'll only lose one nil instead of conceding yeah. three and scoring two. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's very difficult to deal with this at the moment. It really is. Can you, can, you, can you just take a moment to imagine exactly what the likes of David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling, etc., etc., are going to do to us in two I'm, weeks? Terence, I've got to sleep tonight. Come on. I was going to say, cut, cut him off, Chris. Go <laughs> back to the preview show. You. <laughs> I, I, know, I know Halloween was a few days ago, but bloody hell. Oh, dear. You know, that's the sort of game that we could go out and win. That, well, if we win that game, I want Padre sacks because I'll be even more furious. <laughs> don't, roll don't, win, don't, don't win that game. Beat Burnley. Beat West Brom. Yeah. Quite out loud. I want to know what what uh, what he's going to shout at um, Guardiola because when it was Pellegrini, you know, called, called him <laughs> an old, called him an old sea bomb. What do you think he's going to say to to, to Guardiola? So it's Pardiola versus Guardiola. I'm surprised Sky haven't whacked it on a Sunday and build it as that. Actually, <laughs> some of the some of the tweets we've got today are, are, are fantastic. Lawrence Hill, for example. I assume it will be the the usual delusional back in brigade by the ostriches talking about our show today. What? Yeah, we've. Did, yeah. Is that Lauren Hill? Did you say? Lauren, well, it might as well have been. Lawrence Hill was decided. She's sister act, wasn't she? Oh, you're getting it right. Apparently, we're, we're delusional and, and we're ostriches. What? Uh, because we don't like Pardew? No, no, because he's assuming that he's not listening. So he's assuming he's contacted us to say, I assume it will be the usual usual delusional backing brigade by the ostriches. Backing. Usual delusional, good name for a band. Can you, you say Lauren Hill? Oh, Lawrence. Yeah. You, oh, Lawrence did, did this. You're right, Nick. Oh, it's right. too late for you. Do you need a? Do you need a? I've woken up. I've got a rug over my lap. I'm fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, was, she was. She was massive about 15, 20 years ago. So you should remember. <laughs> Move <Okay>. on. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kerners, you might know him. He's uh, been in touch. Need new fullbacks. Thought Ward only had a good game against Everton, as he knew Yannick inside out, which seems like the case. Okay, right. Cheers, Ostrich. Buddy. Ostrich. Ostrich. Yeah, ostrich. Bloody ostrich. <laughs> Bloody ostrich. Like all of us, just ostriches everywhere, mate. And laying, uh, big, laying big eggs. Liam Dowd was in touch earlier. He was talking about Mundunda. said, you know, he's not, not being selective memory when you look at it. Sort of 10 goals in three games isn't good enough. Uh, but he says, look, you know, don't get him wrong. Loves, loves the club, loves the players, but it's not good enough right now. So I get what you're saying, Liam. Terence will always defend goalkeepers. Just remember that. 
I wish I they'd defend, defend the goalkeepers. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I, don't, I don't ever remember defending um, <laughs> Hennessy. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, so look, I was I did have a whole section where I was going to talk about the positives. Sort of uh, didn't say login. Yeah, that was it. We've got it right there. No, no. In all seriousness, Done. I mentioned Thanks it, when, I mentioned it when, uh, <laughs> when George got in touch earlier, and I, you know, look, the, and the positives about our play in general. Look, we are we're scoring goals. Uh, we keep we're getting a lot more of the ball. We're creating a lot of chances, and you know, when we talk about has the has the manager lost the players when he's still getting a reaction? Is it in spite of the manager rather than because of? I suppose that's an argument there, but. You know, take take the half time again. He's able to reorganise us. He's able to motivate the players to to up their standards. So that that could be viewed as a positive. Um, so I'll just get one opinion on that. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of who's going to give me the most balanced opinion back. Let's go with you, Nick. Um, <laughs> is it is it is it because of or in spite of the manager that we're getting these things that we're able to respond? I think we've got some quality players on the pitch. I think Pardew has got to up his game okay and when i say up his game i'm talking about now i don't know why we had he sets the team up and we're always going down in the first half okay wouldn't it just be nice would it just be a confidence boost we actually took a two nil lead at some point clearly well, it's not, it's, remember, it's remember not, the stoke game it seems like forever doesn't it it does and, and that's, that's my point and, <laughs> and that's my point and then you know imagine can, is it gonna happen against man city in two weeks time probably not somewhere <laughs> Um, he's, he's just got up his game uh, and I, 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 the reality is I don't, just don't think the squad depth is strong enough and that's what's causing us the issue um, I think DR made a good point about uh, we need two, uh, two backs now I think we're going to we, we're going to lose 50% or we need to replace 50% of our, our uh, defence come the January transfer window will he be still there to write the checks out <clears throat> borderline I think well, that's well, that's the big decision, isn't it? Is do you do you give him January and say oh. you know make those changes? Yeah. Just, you've seen it work before, and it's, it's very difficult because you're talking about making a change now. I'm not, you're not talking about in a couple of weeks' time. You're really talking about now for a manager to get in, see what he's got, assess them, and then make a decision about who to sign in January. If you don't make that call now, then Pardew has to be kept on, and again to be given a chance to see what the players we sign do. So. Sorry, I don't. I don't think that's the case there, because if you're if you're look at look at it from the board perspective, right? You don't want to be accused of pulling the pulling the trigger too early on the manager. They can just let him hang himself over the next four or five games because we've basically got impossible fixtures. They they're all effectively no lose fixtures. But if they want to get rid of the manager and make it not look too bad on them, then they can let him hang himself in the next five games by losing to City, losing to United, losing to Chelsea, etc. And if he do- and then have the easy excuse if he doesn't pick anything up at Swansea or anything up at Hull, for example, yeah. they can just fire him and everyone will say, "Yep, yeah, that was the right thing to do." But, but doesn't Where- doesn't doesn't it work the other way that? You can you can get a new manager in. I'm not saying tomorrow or Monday. Yeah, but, yeah, and give them, give them those games. Give yeah, them those why, games. why would you do that? Why would you bring in a new manager and say, "Here you go, your first fixtures, Man City." Get then it's Man United, then it's Chelsea. Don't, don't do that to a new manager. You don't want to do that. You want to get a new manager in a run of games where they can get to build some momentum early. If he comes yeah. in on the proviso, look, listen, we know these games are going to be tough. Don't worry, these are a buy. Just just try and get a team together. And, and aim to get in points against Swansea and Hull. 
you know, I, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that, that you could argue it either way. Yeah, I just don't think you want any manager coming in and getting off to a start where you lose like four of your first five games. I'd much rather have a manager come in and be able to build some momentum. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, Nick, you got anything in the chat room? Press. Yeah, a couple of bits in the chat room. Simon fifty five. Uh, on the positive note, you were talking about the positives. Uh, we actually scored a penalty. Another one. Yeah. Another positive. Another positive. Uh, Zaha. And also somebody also mentioned that has anybody actually mentioned the fact that we uh, Townsend actually hit the post in the ninety fifth minute? Positive, positive, positive. What so, about Kabai as well? Kabai played well. Yeah, he did. Half. Yeah, and he, he has been, he's been decent the last few games. Definitely. You know he's. Yeah. He talked about the fact he's getting, you know, getting his his fitness back. You know, we certainly need him. Um, I know you mentioned Simon fifty five there. He was in. He uh, sent us a message earlier, uh, agreeing with the fact that we uh, the, the assertion that we've got no leaders left on the pitch since Jedinak left. Uh, he also talked about missing Jedinak at set pieces and, and the general cover he provides. Uh, so we know we would have let the, the two goals from corners against Liverpool with him still in the, in the side. Dan is not providing leadership on the pitch. Punch and sometimes take charge, but there's no leader like Jedinak. So. Uh, why are we so attack-minded in the first minute and sent everyone forward? Pretty much uh, a, lot, a lot of what we've been saying there, but sort of crystallised into, into a, you know, a fairly brief email there. Can uh, I just chip in very briefly? All I'll say is about Kabai. Look at what Kabai does during the first goal. That's all I'll say. Moving on. Mm. In relation to, to... Second half. Yeah, in relation to everyone else in that, that goal... No, no, but but the when um, uh, who is it that gets unmarked, remains unmarked for about twenty minutes? Goodmanson in, uh, intercepts the ball, goes on a run. Kabai looks back, sees he's got a acre of space in front of him, and Kabai goes re- in really soft for a tackle in the middle of the park, loses out on that, and knows that knows that Goodmanson's steaming up the left hand side, and Kabai chooses to get sucked into the ball, knowing that there's no cover behind his right shoulder and Goodmanson could have sat down and had a, had a fag and and, still, and sat there waiting for the ball to come to him and you know that is Kabai's fault it's also Fair enough. Fault, but you know he's there to cover uh, you wanted to make a point about um, you know had we had we got the 2-2 um, Albert you know we, had we not conceded that last minute goal you, you still would have sort of slagged us off a bit of course, yeah. Listen, if we if we'd have if the game had finished two tip, nothing had happened after we we score that that penalty, you know, yeah, we would have all been the goals the goals we gave away would still have been the goals we gave away poor, you know, the first half would still would have been pretty appalling. But you know, you you'd credit you'd credit the team for coming back earn, earning earning those two goals. You know, one's a penalty, and quite rightly it's a penalty. But you know, earning your way back into that game. And yeah, but given the results that have you know come before, the fact that we haven't you know we've lost what last three in a row, to get a, to get a point against a you know a really good Burnley side on their own pitch, which has already been described as a fortress by Alex, yeah, you think okay, first half was a shambles, but you know what, we deserve to come back into that game, and yeah, take the point and move on. Um, it's that it's it's the it's the game management in that last ten minutes that makes me really furious, and the the, the, the tactical. The ta- or lack of tactical plan going forward and, and, and ch- chasing the three points. I'd rather have come away with a point and saying, you know what, we, 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 it was a bad day at the office, we, we managed to get out of that with a point. I'd have been very happy with that and I've been way down on it. And I said this time last week, or no, not this time last week, last Saturday, if we don't get anything out of Burnley, he's got to go and, and, and that's the way it's going. 
Well, Brent Morgan got in touch and reckons we won't see uh, Pardew uh, leaving the club anytime soon. Um, Alex has put up some win ratios for managers there. I think Pardew obviously doesn't account for the fact if we focused only on the last sort of calendar year, I think it'd be very different. But Freeman, 36%, Pardew, 42%, Holloway, 30%, Pulis, 43%, Warnock, 20%, 26%. No, Burley, 26%, Warnock, 18%. Just for clarity there, though, that does include cup games. And if you take cup games, Pardew, it does drop down to below, I think it's 38.5%. There you go. Uh, interesting stuff, but if you know, let's let's sort of to end to end this before we uh, before we end the show. If if Pardew does go to you know when let's say Pardew goes tomorrow, who who in, who are we getting in? Hmm. That's the um, question. If, if, if you say Sam Allardyce, I'm hanging no. up this right now. <laughs> I've said it. <laughs> Get out! Unbe- unbelievable. Well, what's wrong with Allardyce? Don't uh, we haven't what, got time? What, what's on. wrong with the, the fraud and the corrupt man that's literally just been sacked as England manager? Yeah, but we've got Pardew's manager. We've got Pardew's manager. Yeah, but oh, yeah, he's not been, he's not corrupt of anything, is he? He's not been definitely not. Uh, definitely. We're the lawyers. Move along. <laughs> yeah. I've got a name. I've got, I've got a name. How would you feel about Gary Monk? Is that rhyming slang for something? <laughs> it is, and we'll get onto that later. But at the moment, I'm talking about the football manager. Uh, no, no, no. All right. Do you know what? Um, I'm sorry. I'm, this is this makes me really angry. Touching on Sam Allardyce. If anyone re-employs that man, it is an absolute disgrace, and it shows that everything's wrong with with what is wrong with football in the background, with the corruption that goes on, and it's allowed to go on. He's been sacked as England manager, and people are talking about him just being, yeah, blasé. Let's just let him back into a football club. That's an absolute disgrace. The man shouldn't be allowed anywhere near football ever again. I'm sorry. And that's why. Ibedi, Ibedi, Sunderland. And it's it's an outrage. Sunderland do like knew they were they had a convicted a, a man who's going to be convicted of paedophilia. Or whatever it was, sex with an under a minor or whatever, and they quite happily re-employed him, and they quite happily go back and re-employ a a manager who's been done for corruption or whatever. It's it's an outrage. Teams shouldn't be allowed to do this. Like how how can these people be let back into football when they are being disgraced in such ways? And everyone goes, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Let's let them off. Let's let's give them another chance. Bullshit, mate. Get them out. Yeah. And so. I'm pretty sure Terence wasn't suggesting Sam Allardyce for manager for Palace. Uh, Nick, who were your? Who was your? <laughs> well, I've got a list of names for you that are all available now. Would you take <laughs> the question? The, the, would you take the question? Is would you take any of these? Here we go: Carl Robertson, Tim Sherwood, Sam Allardyce, Nigel Pearson, Steve Cottrell, Alex McLeish, Gianfranco Zola, and the great Malky Mackay. <laughs> Absolutely not. But this great is this. This is my. I don't get this fascination with people talking about available managers and then yeah, exactly. people out of work. Hello. Yeah. We, we, you know, let's look. We're not. We're not at the bottom of the championship. At least not yet. You know. <laughs> that, that we, if we want a manager, we'll go. Let's go out and get a manager who's currently employed in a job doing really well, and and showing some, you know, indication that they can come in and change something at Palace. You know, look. No, I genuinely say this. I, I really, really want Alan Pardew to to turn this around, right? Because for me, that's the easiest thing. You you know, he's got a, a working relationship with the board. You know, the players all know him. He's shown that we can play some pretty decent football uh, going forward. He just needs to sort out our defence. Needs to get us 
confident, needs to make a few changes in the transfer market in January and sort us out. But the trouble is I have no confidence that he'll do that right now. So that's why we're having this conversation. I don't really want to be having this conversation. I don't really want to have to go and see my team continuously lose like they are at the moment. It's extremely frustrating. But let's not let's not restrict ourselves to managers who aren't good enough to be in charge of other clubs right now. We've managed abroad as well. You know? This is it. Frank De Boer. No, 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 no. Right. The thing is, well, you know, we look at our first eleven. Look at our squad. It's decent. You know, we spent a decent amount of money. We're clearly a club that should be on an upward trajectory. I, you know, and I had, I had this row with my brother yesterday. He said, "Well, if you get rid of him, who do you get in?" And that's 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 not for me to suggest the name. But what I would suggest is that you you, you put the job out there. You get, you know, you sack Alan Pardew. We're a we're a Premier League club with great potential. Been in the league four years. It's made quite clear that we have got money to spend in January. And you know what? The first team's pretty decent. There's players that have been there a while that we know can perform. And there's players now there, such as Christian Benteke and maybe Johan Kabai, who are world-class players who should be performing better than they are. You, I think you would be surprised. And Again, I can't think of a name, but I think you'd be genuinely surprised at the people who came to us to apply for that job. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Nick, you've got an opinion in the chat room, I believe. And then yeah, I'll so, finish with email. Okay, it's Simon fifty five again suggesting Van Hoydonk, and I think the funny one would Booted Eagle has actually come up with, and you're like, you're going to love this, Chris Hutton. <laughs> Should we go and take Hutton from from that lot down the road? Why not? Not not <laughs> a bad shout. Not a bad shout at all. Good yeah, manager, I'm... very good manager. Absolutely. Stop oh, them in our tracks as well. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps yeah. the more I hear that, the more I want that to happen. Booty's just come back on again. He said, let's put the kibosh on the weeds. Yeah, I love it. Great shout. Okay, I just want to finish. Look, we've had, we've had, I say, we're all very, been fairly uh, critical and negative. Uh, In the interest, again, of providing balance from supporters as well, we've had a lot of negative views from. Uh, from from fans, but uh, Neville's got in touch. A supporter, supporter from Malta, which sort of nearly rhymes. Uh, been supporting the Eagles since 1990. Best this, uh, it's the best period I remember. In my opinion, this is one of the best teams we've ever had. Two French internationals, Belgium, uh, Belgium centre forward, Scottish international, two Welsh internationals, and one possibly two English internationals. I'm still with Pardew till now, but we cannot get caught up three times the same way we did against Burnley. With all due respect. I expect to challenge Everton, Southampton, thereabouts of the squad. Please, it's a real heartache to see us go down this way. Twenty-four. Well, it's not twenty-four losses in a row, but you know. But uh, but four, I think he meant four losses in a row. Just press two at the same time. Uh, so four losses in a row, and Man City next. Our team should be doing better. So talking about the the general period of our that we're in at the moment, and he's absolutely right to have that that balance of the fact. And he left out too much. And he did leave our Jordan match, thank God. As is Pardew doing, which is why he's still got some support from me. If you get on the strap with Allardyce and Adam Johnson, put them all in the bin. You're right, Terence, mate. You see, you see, you see that. Nah, this, this weekend just all come on top of me. Now. I've had enough. <laughs> oi, oi. But, um, but look, it's, I, I think it's important to to always retain a bit of perspective about what we have. Uh, and not get carried away with with being too demanding, but I don't think it's too demanding right now to expect a serious reaction in in the, the next few weeks. If Pardew's going to remain the manager, that's that's for the the board to decide. Uh, the players have still got to be with him if that's the case, um, and I'm sure the fans will be hoping for the best. But something has got to change, otherwise, you know, every week we're going to be having these discussions about how fed up we are and how things are, uh, you know, and the basic analysis of every game is how many mistakes we're making and all that kind of stuff. So 
I'd much rather be talking about some wins. I'm sure you'd much rather be listening about some wins and not feeling so miserable all the time. So anyway, thank you very much for listening today. There will be additional content in the podcast uh, when it's available for download for you for your commute in the morning. Uh, thank you very much to my panel and to Marky for producing. And uh, we'll end with your views of the Burnley game in four words reviews. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Am I not doing this stuff? What am I not? Nick Ray, Burnley can f*** off. Ed Kellaway, another weekend ruined. F***. Andrew Vincent. F***ing f***. Oh, Albert's gone for a s***. Do you want me to... Would you like me to read Albert? Is that what you want? <laughs> Rick Hedgecuff, for f***ing hell's sake. Art Carveradia, Vokes, Pokes, Palace Choke. Jason Bourne, nearest pub please, drive. Dan Skipsy, history nearly repeated itself. Stephen Goldring, Sam Allardyce, only joking. Martin Putt, we defend like amateurs. Stephen Coffey, still above wet spam. <laughs> Glenn Flossy, Fossy, nearly punched my laptop. Ian Lyons, fullbacks are useless. Stephen Goldring, bye bye Premier League. <laughs> Graham Rhodes, can't play first half. Ben Bradley, Mondonda should have done better. Paul Hensley, relegation battle awaits us. Mark Gayford, pathetic defending once again. Darren Deepledge, always enjoyed the championship. David Field, 10 goals, 3 games. Tony Hall, great subs, poor defence! Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as it promised uh, in, in, at the start of that, we have a quick discussion about the uh, the announcement of the England squad, in uh, particular talking about the, the Palace contingent, or not, as the case may be. Now, of course, Andros Townsend is in the squad, and I think at this stage it's definitely worth saying, you know, obviously congratulations to Andros. It's great having a, a Palace player in that squad. and You know, he has shown certainly that he's, you know, he's capable of performing well in an England shirt as well as in a, in a Palace shirt. But for us, probably not hit top form and certainly not in the, in the form that Wilf has been showing. So, you know, a bit more detail. We could, we've got a bit more time at the moment. Uh, let's start with you, Nick. Um I think is it is it fair to say pretty much like everyone you'd have gone for Wilf over Townsend? Only on current form. I mean, he has been. If yeah, you know, we're all the show's talking about uh, how our poor run of form and everything else. The, one of the only shining lights that we've got and ha- have had in recent weeks is Wilf Zaha. I mean, God loves a trier, but clearly the England bloody manager doesn't. Yeah, it's got there's got to be some other reason, surely that he's not getting in that squad, Terence. Um. Basically, as the Indian manager, you are surely there to be picking the best players. And Wilfred Zaha's stats just stack up against anyone's and are better than anyone's in that sort of position. He gives something that England something that they would not have in terms of someone who will run at defenders and beat players. And 
it's just absolutely laughable that he can be overlooked again. You know, I could, last looking at his stats from previous seasons, you can see why he doesn't stand up, doesn't set up enough goals, doesn't score enough goals. Though that's all gone away this season. And on the other flip side of it, his defensive outputs have also been increased. So he has do it. He is doing everything with his game that he needed to do to move him up into that bracket. And for Gareth Southgate to be there yesterday and to watch Wilfred Zaha put in the performance he did to cause Burnley the trouble that he did, to set up the goal in the fashion that he did with incredible, incredible wing play to beat his man and then put in the perfect cross for Conor Wickham to strike home, is it's an, it's an unbelievable oversight. I just genuinely cannot believe that he is not in that England squad and Andros Townsend is. Yeah, you obviously touching there on, on, the, on the assist he got yesterday. It was, it was breathtaking play. And as you say, Southgate was there to witness it. And more importantly, when you've watched the England side of late, particularly in, in the last game, where they were completely devoid of any real pace until Townsend got on the pitch, and, you know, mm. weirdly enough. And you just, they're just crying out for someone like Zaha, in my view. Albert? Yeah, I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest. And, you know, I can only echo what you're saying about Townsend and Zaha and who deserves it. I think maybe they both deserve it. But I was just going to see what, what Siri thinks about it, because... We, we, no one else has got the answer. <laughs> Siri, why is Wilfred Zaha not in the England squad? Let me think. Here's what I found on the web for he thinks about it because we want no one else that the answer is Siri, why is Wilfred Zaha not in the England squad? Wow, exactly. Yeah, that's cleared it right up. I don't know, we don't even say anymore. Alex, you got an opinion? Yeah, just on Dan. Um, to, out, out of... Um, Keane and Dan, I think just Dan's age works against him and I think he's in sort of Dan's in the same situation what Punching was in a few years back when Punching was playing really well where, you know, we were echoing that Punch should be in the England squads um, but again his age, you know, worked against him at the time so obviously Dan's not been playing great but, you know, if he's a little bit younger maybe that would be the other player in the squad with a chance of getting in the, in, in the England team but... Yeah. No chance. He tends to still pick Phil Jagielka, so I mean, again, age-wise, it's not really, it's not really play. I, I'd rather hear what Siri thinks, to be honest. Again, <laughs> <laughs> that can be arranged. <laughs> no, look, that's a good point, Alex. I don't, I don't really mean that. He's got it. He's got. He's picked Will Keane, hasn't he? He's uh, yeah. twenty-one, uh, twenty-two. Michael Keane. Sorry, that's a brother. Yeah, Michael Keane. He's twenty-one, twenty-two. So yeah, no, he's a good player. He's someone I, I really would have liked to have seen us sign. It was a couple of seasons ago um, when Burnley went down. Listen, Dan, Dan, Dan didn't get in the squad when he was in imperious form. There's no way he was going to get in this one, was he? No, well, no. You, you say that. <laughs> Gareth Southgate did witness the two performances of Townsend and Zaha yesterday and picked the wrong one. So you never know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't think genuinely at the moment we can argue too much about there being an anti-Palace bias when we're simply not playing well enough. But it's, it's only Zaha that's that's the one who's really missing out at the moment, in my view. Um, and, and they are picking Townsend. So he's he's still not played. A, he's not played a competitive game, has he? So can he switch to the Ivory Coast? I keep reading different things. I believe so. I believe because he's not played a competitive international, he can still switch. And I think he should. Uh, way things are going. Uh, but I think it would be England's loss. I really oh, I do. don't because that means I it's don't. up to the African yeah. Cup of Nations. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> You know, a lot and a few people tweeted in and said, you know, at least, at least this way he can't get tapped up for bigger clubs. But I think we're we're kind of past that stage now. You know, with a bigger club, well, obviously Tottenham tried to get him 
with a ridiculously low bid in, in the summer. And you know, who knows? They might come back in the January window with a proper bid. It'd, it'd be a bit tougher to to deal with. But look, you know, as a again, I just go back to the, the fact that if you're going to select a, an England squad and you're going to talk about trying to progress that England team as well, you've got to go out and pick some players who are going to I'll give you some options, you know. And when I've seen England play, which has not been as much as as, as I should, because I've just lost the enthusiasm for it. But they've always, for me, they cry out for someone who could do something different. Who's got acceleration, pace, power, and now is starting to get real end product, which is what Wilf is doing this season, as Terence has said. So I don't know. It's a it's a kind of a watch this space, but it can't do us any good if we're talking about keeping Wilf at the club any real length of time because on this form someone else is going to put a proper offer in at some point and uh, and we will lose him again um, and that will be a real real shame because he's just a top top player so uh, we're going to end the show uh, with too good too mad which for legal reasons is completely different to match of the day two's too good too bad Jason Rourke we won three games in a row. Everyone loves Pardew. We'll lose four games in a row and everyone's calling for him to go. How about we get behind him and the team and get off his back? Jason Baster, I don't know if that's Turkey Baster on Twitter, says Pardew who tried to change his style and it's not working. But he's too arrogant to admit that and revert back to basics. His way or no way. <laughs> that's a different type of mad than I was expecting. Langers from the BBS. Entertaining football to watch. There's a lot of safety first managers out there. Super Al isn't one of them. We need some better footballers to complete the jigsaw, but he has completely transformed the side and deserves credit for his bold approach. Eagles1905 on Twitter says, Five wins in 34 games. Four defeats on a spin. No clean sheets since April. Spent over 50 million quid. Conceded 10 goals in three games. Pardew has got to go. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time let them know opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference after all they are your mates for a reason let's all take a moment to talk more than football it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.